All right, we'll go ahead and get get started. Uh, my name is Pastor Dave Kidd. It's my wife, Robin. Robin and I, we've been married for 30 years. We have five children, two are with the Lord. And uh, God has, has blessed us with a, with a wonderful marriage. And uh, he's also created us uh, not only uh, to have a passion for ministry, but a passion for other people's marriages. And in 2004, we founded a marriage ministry called Binding Hearts Marriage and Family Ministries. And uh, God has enabled us to do some pretty incredible things. How many of you know when you, when you say yes to God and just say, use me, he'll do that. He'll do that. Uh, we've been blessed to, to speak all over the country, to speak in Africa, to speak in Central America, at different marriage conferences, and uh, just uh, empowering uh, people to have the, the marriage that God intends them to have. And uh, something that has been near and dear to our heart especially has been uh, pastoral marriages. We've all heard stories. We've all uh, have seen the maybe not firsthand, but but from a distance, the destruction that happens when something happens within a pastoral marriage, the pastor's marriage. And we're going to talk a little bit about that today. We're going to talk a little bit about why some of that happens, and and uh, and we're also going to try to remove some of the. Uh, can I say stigma that comes comes with that? Um, because uh, it's very important for us to remember that that pastors, they're human. They're they're we're all human, and uh, and just uh, by being a pastor, just holding that that position or that office does not automatically give them a, a great marriage, and it does not mean that they are uh, not susceptible to the temptations or susceptible to the attacks of the enemy. And uh, our enemy, I don't like to give him too much credit, but but he does know his stuff. He knows how to attack, when to attack, and he knows how to do the most damage. And oftentimes the most damage can be done when he attacks a marriage. Because no other relationships affect so many people. And when he attacks a pastor's marriage, it just ripple effects through throughout the entire church. But before we, we get into that today, I, I just want to take a, just a couple minutes and, and uh, ask uh, you just to introduce yourself and uh, what the church you, you attend and, and your role there at the church, if you would. Yeah. My name is Nicole Cooper. I'm from um, Oasis Church in Marowak, and I'm the assistant pastor. Awesome. I'm Will Smith from Liberty Assembly in Florida, Ohio, and I'm a deacon on the board. I'm Elena Roberts from Live Host Church. I had dinner with your pastor last night, so I... That's one of the first things uh, that, that that we need to do as as believers is we we need to care, and and especially, you know, I don't think there's anyone um, more poised to to do so much good than than church leaders and board members, um, because they can be truly that that catalyst for for health, not only in your pastor's marriage but for the uh, marriage culture of a church. And now we're going to talk a little bit about how to to uh, foster a positive marriage culture in the church. Because today, let, let's face it, marriage isn't always uh, 
the the norm in today's church, especially when with new converts, the people that are just coming to Christ. You know, we we find a lot of couples that that uh, are, are cohabitating, and uh, you know, you we we love them and and we minister to them, and, and we say, hey, you know, you know, marriage is God's plan, you know, and we we encourage them to. To, to get married, if, if they're going to stay together, we encourage them to get married. But a lot of times they, they kind of shrink back. Oh, I, I don't know. You know, well, this has happened in the past. That's happened in the past. So marriage culture in a church, it, the way we protect and strengthen our pastor's marriage will also have a residual effect on all the other uh, couples in the church. And they'll start to develop a, a more positive view of marriage. I want to start out today with with a word of prayer, asking God to to bless our time together. Father God, I I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, that uh, you would open our minds and open our hearts, Lord, to what you have for us to learn today. Lord, you designed marriage. Lord, you instituted the church. Lord, I I pray that that you would show us the importance of what we're going to talk about today, that that marriage is something to be celebrated. (laughs) And, but it's also something sacred, something that needs to be protected. And Lord, I just pray health to each one of the church that is represented here. I pray for each pastor, each pastor's wife. I pray, God, that, that your spirit would, would give them the marriage that you intended them to have. And I pray that, that marriages in each one of these churches represented would grow, would become strong. We pray, Lord, against the enemy, against everything he brings today, against these marriages. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Let me give you a couple of scriptures to start today. Robin's going to pass out. Um, how many of you would like to take notes? No? Okay, a couple of you. You won't have to take too many notes in this, in this seminar. I've, I've, we're going to provide some, some thorough notes for you. In fact, much of what I'm going to say is going to be written down on this. So, and you're going to be able to take that back with you to your respective churches and be able to, to share that with, with others. Yeah. There's no tests. There's no quizzes. No detention. No. No, I don't have that authority. I want to start off with a, a couple of scriptures this morning. The first is 1 Timothy 5.17. And the, the message paraphrase, it says, Give a bonus to leaders who do a good job, especially the ones who work hard at preaching and teaching. Give a bonus to leaders who do a good job. Other translations, other versions, you know, they say the servant is, is worth double honor. Okay? That, that's referring both to, to respect and, and, and honoring uh, our leaders and the ones who preach and teach, but it also it, it affects pay and, and, and compensating them and taking care of them. But uh, I just love the, the message. Give a bonus to leaders who do a good job. The second scripture is Hebrews 13.4. And that starts off by saying, marriage should be honored by all. I want to point out there, it says marriage should be honored by all, not by those who are married. Not by, it doesn't say those who are thinking about getting married, though those who, who are single. It says marriage should be honored by all. And it goes on to say, And the marriage bed kept pure, for God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. That's I mentioned just a little bit ago, that's the reason why the enemy attacks marriage so much. He attacks it because he can do so much damage. And when he attacks a pastoral marriage, he can wreak havoc in the church. I mean, uh, I'm, I am privileged to serve as an assistant presbyter in our area. And 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 guess who has to go in to those situations? And and they're not fun. They're, it's not pretty. It, it's it, it gets ugly um, uh, because there's so much hurt and there's so much frustration and 
and sometimes there's even some anger and and we work to to minister in that situation and 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 diffuse that and so where healing can happen not only for the church but for that pastor's marriage and i'm excited to say that that the majority of pastors who have had a, a, a moral failure the majority of them are still with their spouse they are reconciled and and God is doing incredible things with them and and it's also important to say just because that happened and just because uh, uh, you know they, they they had this failure does not mean that God is done with them it does not mean God is done with them you know because the Bible says we all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and so these scriptures are are very important and I'm, I'm, I just want to thank you again for for being here and caring enough about your pastor and and your pastor's marriage um, I want to give you a few statistics they're, they're on your notes 80% of pastors believe pastoral ministry has negatively affected their marriage and families. This poll was done by, by the Schaefer Institute, and I, I believe they, they did um, 5,000 pastors across the, the country. And 80% of them said they, they believed they, that, that the ministry has negatively affected their marriages and family. 80% of spouses of pastors feel that the pastor is overworked. Because a lot of times uh, the pastor will say one thing. You know, ask the pastor's wife. Ask the pastor's husband. You know, they may give you a, a, a different different answer. Tell me to clip this in so there's no clip. Um... Also, 80% of spouses of pastors feel left out and underappreciated by church members. And I put that statistic in there because what a church does to show recognition and appreciation for the pastor's spouse, they're doing to the pastor. You know, in in our situation, I was privileged to be a part of a a cohort in Texas uh, of, of rural rural church pastors. And uh, and I got home from our first meeting. I, w- I would fly to Dallas uh, once every other every other month uh, for a year. And after our first meeting, I, I got home uh, on a Tuesday. And on, on Thursday, uh, my wife calls me and, and she says, I got this huge bouquet of roses. And I'm thinking, I didn't send her any roses. <laughs> You know, and here it was from the host of this cohort. They wanted to bless my wife. You know, the the, the wives of of the pastors of the, the staff pastors of this church were was doing this to bless my wife. And when they bless my wife, they bless me. And that's so important for us uh, to remember is is remember the pastor's wife, remember the pastor's spouse, pastors. Um, they really, uh, the, the calling to be a pastor is, is, is so strong. And they really want to, to be the best pastor they can be. They want to be used of God. They want to see lives change. They want to see people come to know Jesus. They, 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 they want to see people experience all that Jesus has for them. But sometimes when, especially when things aren't going quite as well, as they could be. So let's, let's face it, in church, sometimes things don't go as well as we want them to be going. Yeah. I'm saying, it's serious. It's true. I know. Hard to believe. Hard to believe. Okay. It's very easy. And I'm speaking from an experience. I'm, I'm a pastor. It's very easy for the pastor to get frustrated. You know, there, there's a space between reality, the space between what is and what is desired. And that space is called frustration. 
you know, and it's very easy, and that weighs on a pastor, that weighs on a pastor's family. You can ask uh, my uh, 17-year-old daughter. She will know when I'm frustrated. You know, she's my barometer of my emotions. She'll say, Dad, relax. Dad, calm down. You know, and so pastors do get frustrated, and, and that frustration is stressful on them and their families. And one of the reasons we get frustrated is because the, the vast majority of pastors have difficulty relaxing. They have difficulty shutting the mind off from, from what's going on in their life, what's going on in the church, what's going on uh, in, in the various ministries that they're, they're, they're overseeing. Because pastor, by virtue of office, is, is, is kind of sitting on top of, of, of all these things. Making sure that this is done. Sure, they're delegating. Sure, they're they're passing off this this um, responsibility to to leadership, but they're still wondering how's this going. You know, is there anything we could do better? Is, and that's always on a pastor's mind. Like at our church, we have a Wednesday, we have a Wednesday night service and we have a Sunday morning service. And the first thought in my, in my mind after Sunday morning service is Wednesday's coming. First thought in my mind after Wednesday night service, Sunday's coming. You know, and you add that, you add to that uh, a wedding here, a funeral there, a, a, a counseling appointment there, you know, meetings here, and it becomes really stressful and, and it's really hard for a pastor to slow down because have you ever worked really hard, spent a day working really hard, and you're still not done with the project you're working on, but you say to yourself, if I sit down, I won't get back up. That's what that's what it is for a pastor a lot of times. It's more of an emotional, mental thing, but it's also a physical thing. Because pastors will we tend to work ourselves uh, really hard. So let's go back to that first uh, that verse in in First Timothy. What if the bonus given to a pastor is is rest? What if that bonus is given to him as rest? Time to rest. Time to be with his spouse. Time to be with his, his family. Rest is valuable. I want to say in, in a lot of cases, rest is more valuable than money. It's valuable. So I want to go through some, some things, you know, I, I, I just entitled this portion, Do Not. I mean, it, it's not meant to be you know, don't do this, but it's meant to be. These are some things that, that's probably not recommended that, that we do. Say, uh, first one, do not offer monetary incentives for not taking vacations. I know a lot of churches that, that do this, and it's not inherently a bad thing. I, there's good intentions behind why they do it. They say, well, if the pastor doesn't use his or her vacation time, uh, we should uh, remunerate them for that time not used at the end of the year. Don't do that. Encourage your pastor, encourage your, your, your pastor and his, his spouse to use their vacations. I, I'm in favor of a, of a use it or lose it. You know, because you want them to rest. You want them to have that, that time away. And remember I said pastors don't relax very easy. So, you know, one or two days, it's going to take Three to four days just to get the mind to stop. Okay? Then they're starting to relax. Then they're starting to, to uh, uh, start to be rejuvenated and refreshed. And the second one, you, you, get, you all know this. Don't expect the pastor and spouse to do it all. To do it all. That, that, that's really hard because our, our default as pastors a lot of times is we'll try. We'll try. And that's where you as, as church leaders, you as board members, and you have the, the ability to, to recognize things like that and say, Pastor, you're doing too much. Let us help. Let us help. And uh, I, I remember a church I served. I was a staff pastor, and, and this one guy come to me, and I, he, he says, Pastor Dave, you, you're just doing too much. He says, Whatever you need me to do, I'll do it. And just 
just assume that the answer is yes. I was like, wow. I was like, can we clone this guy? <laughs> you know? And it was powerful. And, and the whole time that we were at that church, that's what he did. What do you need? What do you need? You know, and, and he even uh, was very proactive. He knew what I was going to need ahead of time before I would even ask for it. And it would, I would come into the office and it would be done. Amazing. Amazing. And the ministry that would take place because he freed all that time and all that effort and energy up in, in me that I could be doing other things. And, and lives were touched because of that because it freed me up to do more of what I was called to do. Here's one thing that, that's very important. One of the, the worst ways that you, can, you would encourage your pastor to take time and rest is to go to his or her spouse and say, you need to get him or her to rest. Don't pit your, pit your pastor's spouse against him or her. Okay, that, that doesn't work. And that, that, that's, uh, you can all see the, the logic behind that. That's going to cause a, a, a potential problem, uh, not only between them, but between you and the pastor. Okay. So let me give you some, some action steps. Do you have anything in that section? Let me give you some, some action steps. Number one, always pray for your pastor and his or her spouse. Pray for them. Because there's something about um, pastors that, that they do have a target on their back. The enemy is, is gunning for them. And uh, so pray for them. Encourage your pastor to take a regular day off. Especially if, if he or she is bivocational. You're, you're from Velocity Church, and I know Pastor Bill. Pastor Bill and I are good friends. You know, he takes that day off. Okay, but encourage them to take that day off. You know, don't do anything churchy. <laughs> you know, don't do anything related to the church on this day. You know, on my day off, Robin takes my phone. You know, because she knows, because I want to be a good pastor. I want to. I want to meet the needs of the people. She knows if it rings, I will answer, answer it. So she takes my phone. She says, Dave, it's an, if it's an emergency, I'll, I'll let you know. If it's not an emergency, you don't need to know about it today. Yeah. Be proactive in, in disseminating or letting the, the congregation know when your pastor's day off is. Rather than the pastor having to say, well, well, Thursday's my day off. You know, you say, hey, everybody, you know, just in conversation, pastor's off on, on Thursday, so try not to call him or her on Thursday. Call one of us, you know, if, if, if you need something. Try not to, 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 to call them on, on that day. This goes back to, to uh, caring for the pastor and the pastor's spouse. Publicly honor your pastor and spouse on their respective birthdays and on their anniversary. See, it not only blesses your pastor, but it helps creating that culture of honor and celebration of marriage. If you, if you publicly honor your, your pastor and, and spouse on their anniversary, what are you communicating to the church? This is valuable. You know, this, this is honorable. You know, marriage is, is a, is a good thing. God created marriage to be good. Here at our church, we, we honor and we celebrate marriage. Encourage your pastor and his or her spouse to have a regular date night. You ever you ever notice um, when before we we get we were married, dating was was something we we couldn't wait to do. I mean, we would date three, four times times a week. And after you get married, something something happens. Kids come along, and you know, and 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 all of a sudden. Wow, we haven't been on a date in a long time. You know, whenever you have um, a lack of time together, 
there's go- it's going to create a distance. Okay? And any distance that's created between a husband and wife, and any distance that's created between a pastor and, and his or her spouse, that is that becomes a target for the enemy. You know, he's always looking, I say, he, he's looking for the crack. You know, he sees a little crack, he can drive a wedge in there. And he'll do it. So encourage your pastor and your and his or his or her spouse to have a regular date night, weekly or bi-weekly. Offer gift cards to, to restaurants and theater. You know, it would be, be kind of fun. Go around your church uh, Sunday after service and, and just talk to people and say, hey, we're, we're going to start something new. We, we want our pastor and his spouse to, 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 to get out and have a, have a date night and just spend some time together. How about if, if uh, you would get him a, a gift card for this week? And then you would get them a gift card for, for next week. And, and they could have that date night. And it would, wouldn't cost them anything. And, and it not only would give them that time together, but what would that mean to a pastor and a spouse that their church would do that for them? That would be huge. be huge. You can seek volunteers to provide child care if that's applicable. If their kids are young. Say, hey, we got, we got the kids covered. You guys go out, get some dinner. This whole, um, these steps that I'm, I'm giving you, this will actually work systematically to counter the cohabitation problem that we have today. Because when marriage is celebrated, when when the pastor and his spouse, are, his or her spouse, are, are, are celebrating their marriage, are enjoying their marriage, that's going to be on display for the church. And the cohabitating couples are going to look at that and say, well, wait a minute. Maybe this marriage thing isn't so bad after all. We had a lady in our, in our church that uh, she had gone through some, some pretty, pretty rotten things in, in a previous marriage. And, uh, and when we became pastors at, at True North, she, she, she said, uh, you know, she told us, I am never getting married again. Never. Men are awful. I'm, I'm never getting married again. And, uh, and over the, the course of a, a few years, by uh, observing the positive culture, positive marriage culture, that, that we were very intentional about presenting, she came up to me after service one time. She says, you know what, Pastor Dave? I think, I think marriage could be good. She said, I think I, I would be open to, to dating again and, 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 and getting married again. And it changes people's hearts. It changes people's minds. It, it, it creates that culture of, of marriage, that culture of, of uh, all that's good, all that God created to be good in marriage. Number six, uh, adopt a vacation policy that is based on the pastor's time in ministry, not time at the present church. Do you know that, that your pastor works for the same master, no matter what location? And it, it's so powerful because oftentimes God will, will, will move a pastor. And if that pastor goes into a, a new church and, and that new church says, well, our policy is after you've been here two years, you, you know, you get a week vacation and after you've been here three, you know. What if that pastor has been pastoring for 25 years? So what we've done is we've adopted a policy that is based on time in ministry. And what that will look like is going to be different for, for every church. But if a pastor has been ministering for, for 20 years, 25 years, trust me, he or she needs a sizable vacation time. Okay, because, because that pastor brain, that pastor mindset, and that pastor um, work ethic doesn't shut off. Encourage your spouse, or pastor and spouse to, to get away regularly. Long weekends or, or midweek, 
there's some awesome opportunities, and I've included in there some links to uh, some retreat centers that offer pastors free or discounted places to go. I'll give you an example. Robert and I, we're going to be celebrating our 30th wedding anniversary in May. Okay? And uh, there is a couple that live in Connecticut, but they own a villa in Antigua, in the Caribbean. And they only rent it to pastors or missionaries. And all the other villas on the harbor, in the harbor is right on the water, right on the water. All the other villas in the harbor rent from 350 to $700 a night. Oh, you're a pastor, $50 a night. You know? And there's these places all over the country and in other, other countries. Imagine what you could do just for just a small amount of money. Bless your, bless your pastor. Surprise them. Imagine October, Pastor Appreciation Month, Pastor Appreciation Sunday. Hey, by the way, pack your bags. You're going to Antigua. That would be huge. That would be huge. You think they won't come back recharged? And, and we all want our pastors to, to be anointed, right? Anointed of God. Do you know what charges the anointing? Uh, the, the first thing is, is the Holy Spirit. But the second thing? Rest. Rest. If a pastor is fatigued, if he's tired, if she's tired, if, she, if she's uh, struggling, the anointing. The anointing is always flowing from the Holy Spirit. But that pastor's ability to move in that anointing depends on his or her uh, uh, physical health, mental health, uh, emotional health. That's all important. It's all part of that. So check out these, these uh, links. You can plug them into to, uh, a website, and uh, they're going to give you a list of, of hundreds of places your pastor can get away to. I know Pastor Bill at Velocity has been bugging me for, for, the, for the address in Antigua. Seven nights, yeah. But it's just, it, it's so important. So important. I said that uh, uh, you as board members and church leaders, you're a good, you're the best catalyst for, for, uh, for health in your pastor's marriage and, and, and marriages in general in, in the church. And, and you do that by, by establishing reasonable expectations for your pastor. You know, uh, you know there, there are things that, that we, we do need to, to be expectant of, okay? But, there are, but those expectations have to be reasonable. We talked a little bit about not expecting them to, to do everything, not expecting them to, to be in charge of everything. And a lot of that responsibility does fall back to the pastor and his or her spouse. Sometimes pastors have to, have to learn to say the word, mm, mm, mm. No, you know, we have to learn to say that sometimes. But but as as board members, as, as church leaders, as as teachers, you also have the ability and and the privilege to watch out for your pastor, to watch out. You know, pay attention. If 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 it looks like he or she's getting just a, a getting tired, you know, say something. You know, don't say, man, Pastor, you really look beat. You know, you know, but, but just say, hey, is there anything you need? Is there anything I can help you with? Is, is, there, is there something I can take off your, your, your load today? And, and pastors will, will love that. And how can I pray for you? How can I pray for you? Yes. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about uh, protection, protecting the pastor's marriage. That's how you, you, you we protect it by, by uh, uh, investing in them, by, by giving them that time of rest, but you also protect it by, by establishing boundaries and, and church policy. So here, here's the, the thing. 
Um, I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but I'll, I'll, it, this fits here. Pastors really want to be viewed. And more than just wanting to be viewed, they really want to be caring. Uh, they want to be compassionate. And they want to be approachable by the people. They, we really want that. And a lot of times, it's that same caring, compassionate, and approachable nature that can get us in trouble. It's, it's, it's a double-edged sword sometimes. Um, if they're, uh, I would say over 90% of the, the moral failures in, the, in pastoral ministry in the church today come from that caring attitude being, being extended to someone without the proper safeguards in place. But here's the thing. If, if uh, a pastor, let's just say, okay, the pastor is a male, and there's a woman in the church that's going through a really, really tough time, and, and she corners the pastor uh, after church, and she's crying, and she's saying, this is horrible, this thing that I'm going through. I really need you to pray for me. I, really, I don't know what to do. Could you, could you help me? And, you know, the pastor is trying to greet the people, and, and, and she's, she, she's, she's in a, just a, a real state of, of uh, desperation. And that pastor, uh, the wise pastor, will say, well, hey, my, my wife and I would love to talk to you. Okay? And a lot of times, that, that, that's, what we, that's what we say. But here's what that sounds like to the, to the lady who's, who's really struggling. I don't have time for you right now. And a lot of times, in, in, because they're hurting, and, and, and when people are hurting and when they're wounded, they hear things that we never said. So they hear, I don't have time for you right now. Um, or they may even hear, I don't care right now. Or I don't care. And what do we see? That wounded person says, well, I'll find another church that will care. And they move on. And we lose people. We have a turnover in people. A lot of times, it's just a mishandling of a wounded situation. So how, how can you as board members, as church leaders, uh, remedy that or help to remedy that? Create church policy. Have it in your, your policy manuals in, in, in written form what the, the procedure is, what, what the requirements are for, for counseling ministry to take place. Whether that's the, the pastor's spouse must be present, whether that another, another staff member must be present, whether it's a safeguard. So instead of saying, instead of giving the appearance of brushing the person away, you're allowing ministry to happen, but with the safeguards in place. And it's, it's, it's easier said than done. Because you have to be very intentional about doing this. But it's so important today because, because there are pastoral marriages and there are churches that are being wrecked because they skipped this safeguard. I want to ask you a yeah. Um, do you think that it is better for that person to feel that they've been pushed away because the time that that person is seeking counseling was not an appropriate time? Versus the pastor uh, going off to the side to try to do something and then later on get uh, accused of uh, misbehavior. I I was getting to what we're what to do in that situation. Okay, I'm sorry, I got ahead. When you have policy in place, um, with that policy, you you have a team, and the and that team uh, has their has their uh, uh, they, they take notice of what what that pastor is doing, you know, at that particular time, and all that pastor like like we have a team at church. That it's our staff, and and all I have all I ask. Let me get this out. All I will have to do is is I go like this. 
you know, two waves of my fingers. And they know, okay, something's up. And they move into place, and they come along, come alongside, how can I help? <coughs> you know? And that will be the, our staff uh, and, and their wives. You know, we have female staff members, and we have male staff members. And, and we're all on the same team. But, but that's policy, and we know to do that. That way, I don't have to say, uh, you know, I, I don't have time for you right now. I can say, we really are concerned about what you're going through. I can't imagine what you're feeling right now, and we want to help you. We want to minister to you. We have a whole team that, that wants to help you. And let, let me introduce you to, to Pastor, you know, so-and-so. Let, let me introduce you to, to, to his wife. You know, they're, they're going to talk to you now. And, and they're going to minister to you and, and know that I'll be praying. And, and in the future, if it, you know, you'll be able, you know, at a time that's better, uh, you'll be able to talk to my wife and I. But I don't want to leave them hanging at that moment. You know, now if my team members aren't around, I may have to. Yes. You know, because I'm not going to do anything that's going to compromise or even look. Um, like like a compromise is being taken is taking place, but the, it's so important to have that policy in place and have it in writing and make sure that the team, make sure the leadership know it, what that is, you know what is that what is that policy? I said that you know the pastors they they really want to be that caring, compassionate, and approachable person. But when there's no church policy in place, the pastor may appear. If I have to say, no, I, I can't talk to you right now. Not only does that uh, kind of give a, a poor reputation uh, to the church, that's a poor representation of Jesus. Because what did Jesus do? Yeah. You know, he made time. I mean, he, he went out of his way to minister to people. And uh, so we, we, we want to be that compassionate church and we want to, you know, we want to be that, that compassionate pastor and have the team around us. So that clear written church policy gives the pastor a reason or an out to either uh, refuse ministry. Uh, if, if no one's around, refuse ministry at that time or require a safe or controlled atmosphere for ministry to take place. And one thing, yeah. too, is when you're talking about that to that person, you need to make sure the pastor knows how to broach the subject. I'm not only trying to protect me, I'm trying to protect you so that you're not, like, putting yeah. blame you're going to do something to make me look bad. Yeah. More often than not, the, the person who's, who's wounded, the person that's experiencing the crisis... When it's handled well, when it's handled correctly, they will not only not feel put out or 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 uh, slighted or uh, uh, you know ignored. They're going to feel loved. They're, they're going to feel cared for, and uh, and uh, that that's a, a huge uh, aspect of the church today. Uh, why why we're seeing a lot of turnover. In churches, you know, people that, that come, they, they want to talk to the pastor about something that's going on in their life. If that's not handled well, they'll say, well, I'll find another church. I'll find someone that will listen to me. I'll find someone that will that will care. Even when we, we I would hope as, 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 as believers that we all care. You know, and but we have to go that, that, that extra like Jesus did to make sure that they know that we care. So be available and and uh, uh, and develop a team of individuals to to assist the pastor in, in potentially dangerous dangerous ministry situations. Have that written policy in place. Make sure everyone knows that policy. I said that you know pastors are human too. They don't automatically have good marriages by by virtue of the position. But one thing I know for sure is what we celebrate. We receive more of what we celebrate. We receive more of, and 
when this is done, when, when, when the pastoral marriage, when a pastor's marriage is celebrated, when it's strengthened, when it's invested in, that becomes, becomes contagious. The whole church catches that. We have individuals in our church, uh, Monday night, they, they know Robin and I, are that's our date night. Okay, We're out on a date every Monday night. Every Monday night. Very few exceptions. You know, you know something, something significant, um, and they know uh, n- not necessarily to, to bother us on on that Monday night, but it's amazing to me how many couples will say, "Hey, you know what? Thursday night's our date night." You know, you, you started you started uh, this date night with with your wife years ago, and now we have a date night. Now we have a date night. We have couples that come to us to follow us on, on social media and say, "You wouldn't believe what." What what you've done for us, and I'm thinking, I don't even know you, you know, and but just by watching you and your wife on on on, on Facebook, you know, how we because we'll post, you know, date night hashtag fifty two dates in a year, you know, um, maybe a little snippet about what we did that that night, you know, where we ate or or something, because we're trying to create that culture, you know, not just in our church. The church where we're, we're privileged to serve and, and and love the people, but in anybody that that sees us, you know, whether in person or or through social media. So we want to create that 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 culture of honoring and celebrating marriage because it's so contagious. Is I don't know about you, but I, I want to see where where there there is no longer cohabitation in the church, you know, because. I was raised Church of the Brethren. I was raised a very traditional, very Bible-based. You know, I have a good spiritual formation. So I may be kind of progressive in my methods, but I am very conservative theologically. You know, I believe God's Word. And, but I also believe God wants us to love people, love them where they are. And... I don't really have to. Uh, I do preach messages uh, against um, living together and things. I ruffle some feathers sometimes. I make no apology for that. But I believe that we are most effective when we model a godly marriage. And I, I said before, we've had the privilege of speaking all across the country, presenting uh, marriage conferences in local churches, in, in the individual churches. And when it comes to to uh, godly marriage, when it comes to intimacy uh, between a husband and wife, and, and we take these couples into a, a deep place of intimacy with God and, and with each other in our conference, do you know who struggles the most with that portion of the conference? The pastors and their spouses. They struggle with that. And I was praying one day, I said, God, why is that? <clears throat> Why is it? Because, again, pastors are human too. The number one reason that peop- that uh, pastors uh, don't want us to come into their church to do a marriage conference, and, and I was floored when I found this out. One of them pulled me aside finally and says, Dave, you know why so many pastors don't want you and Robin to come? Because if you come, that means my wife and I, or my husband and I, we're going to have to deal with our stuff. But if the pastor's marriage becomes an example, becomes something to be celebrated, becomes something that's invested in, and it's simply just a matter of of loving and caring for your pastor and his or her spouse, that's going to transcend, that's going to completely revolutionize the marriages in your church. It does. It's that contagious. So if, if you don't hear anything else I said today, invest in your pastor and his spouse. Make sure they're getting the rest they need. Make sure they're getting the time together. And I, I've give, we've given you some tools to, to, to do that very inexpensively. But if you do that, 
that's going to pay huge dividends back to your church. In fact, I'll tell you, do the, invest in your pastor's marriage for the next six months. Watch what it does in their marriage. And then watch what it does in the other marriages in the church. You'll be amazed. You'll be amazed at what it does. Because it's so important. I believe that if, if we take very good care of our pastors and their, and their spouses, that we will see a drastic, drastic decrease in moral failures, in, in uh, uh, church uh, issues, because there, there is something about the contentment and the fulfillment in the pastor's life that's going to translate into a greater awareness of the anointing of God in their life. And there's going to be a greater move of God's Holy Spirit in the church as the pastor walks in that anointing. And that's everything from through the week to Sunday morning and Wednesday night or whatever your midweek service is. It, it will do amazing things, extraordinary things in your church. I, I left you with those, those notes. That basically, everything I, almost everything I said are in there. Um, you take those back to your church and be sharing with uh, other leaders. Uh, we want to leave some time for some questions and answers. Hopefully we have answers. Their children need to know that their dad will take time for them or their mom will take time for them. So how many days a week do you normally get off a week? Two. So if the pastor has a regular day off, he needs to have another day off, maybe not a whole one. We we did it split. So Monday nights are our night. So we go to work all day long, and then Monday nights we have our date night. But we have designated Friday nights as family night. So after we work at the church on Friday, Friday nights the people at the church know that is Pastor Dave's and his family night. And that's the night where our kids know that we have they have our undivided attention. And we go do stuff with them or we have game night with them or movie night with them. And that's really important for the kids. And that also strengthens the pastor because his relationship with his kids is, is if you can't win your kids, what are you doing? And that's also very contagious. Mm-hmm. The other, the other families in the church pick up on that. Uh, they want to uh, minister, or they, they want to uh, have that family night, and, and I said the date night, but but even the ones that uh, maybe come from dysfunctional situations, that's what they want to do. <coughs> they say, Pastor Dave and Robin, once every once in a while, can we all come to your family night? <laughs> and we do. We do. And it's, it's amazing. amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. You know, and... And uh, God has, has blessed us with uh, spiritual sons and spiritual daughters, you know that we're that we're that we're raising in the Lord, and uh, and it, it doesn't matter what they've come from. It, it, all that matters is where Jesus is going to take them, yeah. and and we're seeing some extraordinary things. But it's got to be intentional. It's got to be modeled, and, and let us still be the safeguard. Yeah. Like it's got to be. It's got to be protected. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we do the awkward sideways hugs, sideways you know. With the, with the you know, sex. Yeah. there's there's a few times where they come in so fast I can't get my shoulder turned in time, you know. But but uh, or if, it, or if, yeah. if you're counseling and you're together and there's like mm-hmm. a desperation, you know that girl doesn't have that fatherly figure and she just needs to melt in a man's arms. Sometimes you you're just like, you know, you just have to give that approval, but. You know, there's still that safeguard. And it's protection just for him and for the young girl. Yeah. The first time I think that this class was um, very important. I am from South America. And I came from a place where I saw a church totally uh, broken to pieces because of exactly what you were saying. There were no safeguards. There were, this was a very handsome, very tall, slender built pastor who was married two daughters, mm-hmm. but the younger women in the church did not mind or respected the fact that he is a married man. Mm. So they would all 
always, I don't know if they were faking getting sick and then calling the pastor over. And it was a total ruin. He fell for it. And the rest of the story is very evident. And the wife decided that she could not forgive him. So the marriage was broken apart. He went aside, remarried somebody else. But I, it just brought back so many um, memories. And the safeguard was never there. And the fact that he just, you know, would always, you know, they call and he would go. I mean, his wife is at home with his small children, and these people are calling, and he is just going out on his own to take care of whatever it is that they're calling him for. He fell right for it. Yeah. And it destroyed the church totally broken apart. Yeah. Yeah. So this is really, really, really eye-opener and very inspirational for me. Because I lived that culture of uh, what happened in Panama. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. We we only visit together if it's someone on office that sings. Yeah. And counseling's the same thing. I'm either there or, like you said, another staff member's there. Yeah. I got called uh, for a meeting this coming Tuesday, and uh, it's a, uh, a staff pastor at another church in our community, and she's a female. And the first question I asked, Who's going to be at the meeting? Oh, our, our pastor and our other staff pastor, both males. That's fine. You know, you know, if it's just going to be her, we're going to reschedule that meeting. You know, I'm, I'm not just not going to do it. And another yeah. way to safeguard marriages between pastors and their spouses is my phone is his phone and his phone is my phone. Nobody deletes any messages unless it's the other person deleting them for you. Just because we're accountable. And then we're not ever going to do anything uh, face because yeah. anytime you want to pick up my phone, my emails yeah. go to his phone, and I have access to his emails and texts and all that. So we just yeah. love each There's, other enough to be accountable to one another. Yeah. And each know each other's passwords. Yeah. Oh yeah. And that's something that the pastor and his/her spouse have to work out. That that's not something that you can right. put on your, your the pastor. You, don't have you know. To say you need to do yeah. This. This other couple does, and it works for them, and they trust each other and don't question anything. That's a great question in uh, in search of a pastor when you're interviewing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Most of the time, when you approach somebody and they're depressed or they're overloaded, uh, they will tell you absolutely not. That, That doesn't apply to me, so, I mean, unless you really know what you're looking for, uh, and then once you have, you have to, say you get somebody that's depressed, then you have, you better know what you're doing, uh-huh. and yeah, a pastor can get stressed, but there's no such thing as stress, stress is something you put on yourself, uh-huh. so, you have to have a relationship with somebody that you can talk to mm-hmm. them, yep. that they will listen to you and not just hear you, and, yep. they, and you will hear them. Yep. Okay. And I don't know what's going on between the pastor's wife and the pastor. Right. Yes. If I see she's going to get burned out, and we have this problem, there's somebody there that's going to get burned out. She won't believe it if you tell her. Mm-hmm. She's going to say, no way. Yeah. Once you burn out, you can't come back. Yeah. Um, they may not admit that they're, that they're struggling or, or they're, they're, they have, uh, that they're tired, they're fatigued. But uh, um, I found very few uh, individuals will refuse a gift card. Say, go out. You know? Very few will refuse uh, uh, a weekend away or a midweek, couple days away. Uh, no, we're not going. You know, um, very few will refuse a trip. You know, and so if you you've kind of work it from that angle, you know, you're able to minister to them and invest in them without them having to, to, uh, you know, it's not the the healthiest thing. Um, but you're right. There is a there is a person that the, that pastor needs to be able to talk to 
have them talk to him and believe the truth that they're speaking into, into his or her life. Um, but if they have a hard time admitting, um, because we all have a little bit of that in us, you know, well, there's nothing wrong with me. You know, the, the problems with, with, with someone else, the problems with that guy, that, that woman. But uh, you do have to uh, still invest in them. Still, uh, you have to find invest time in them. Yeah, You're not trying to bias friendship with no. gift cards and no. The, right. the most the most important thing that you could yeah. possibly give somebody is your own time. That's right. And prayer. God give you wisdom. We do with other pastors in the area. We say, hey, hey, we're we're going to Texas Roadhouse next Monday night. You want to join us? You know, our treat. You know, and and uh, so if you give them your time. That's 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 a great point. Giving them time. The sad part of it is that this is taught in secondary school. No. This is things that you have to learn while you're on the job. And uh-huh. You have a, a God-ordained board that you're willing to guide the pastor through these processes. It's going to be tough. Okay. All right. You got a half minute. Half a minute. All right. Our emails are on there. And our phone number, if if you want to contact us with any questions, um, uh, if if money's an issue, uh, we have a, a, a fully furnished suite on our property that uh, we allow pastors and their spouses to come and stay free. Missionaries come and stay free. It's 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 fully appointed, and and uh, um, we just want to be a blessing uh, to ministry people, and and uh, and uh, we want to be a blessing to God's church.